series is on American idols. And for the next four weeks, we're going to identify uh, four idols that I think each and every person in this room, each and every person who's viewing us online has, is, or will struggle with. And uh, it's going to be based off of what we read in Daniel chapter two. And I want to lay a backdrop of what's taking place. It's uh, the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar. He, he has this dream and uh, he has his dream. He wakes up and uh, he's like, he's spooked out of his mind about this dream. So he calls all of his enchanters, all of his magicians, all of his his right-hand people, and he's like, hey, I need you to tell me what this dream is and what it means. And nobody, nobody was able to do it. Uh, Enter Daniel, this guy Daniel, and Daniel comes and he not only tells King Nebuchadnezzar what the dream is, but he also interprets and tells him what it is about. And so what we're going to read in Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, is Daniel letting the king know what the dream was. And so Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, it says this, Your majesty looked, your majesty being King Nebuchadnezzar, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partially of iron, partially of baked clay. While you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron and clay, the bronze and silver and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. And so what we're going to do for the next four weeks is we're going to look at uh, a part of the statue that King Nebuchadnezzar uh, had a dream about. And, and, And hopefully by the end of the four weeks that we allow God, the rock, to smash the idols so that we can, uh, we can live in the manner that we're called to live in as the body of Christ. So uh, I don't have a title this morning, but I, I am going to pray and then we'll jump into it. So Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do today, but also throughout this series. God, right now we just we surrender our heart, our will to you. Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you as our guest of honor. We say do what only you can do. We thank you. We want to leave here changed. We want to leave here better. But not for our own benefit, but so that we can change the world around us. We love you. In Jesus' name. Come on, everyone. Say it. Amen. 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 So uh, I recently just turned 40. Now I know some of you are like, what? I thought you were still 20. Uh, And I love you. Um, but I just turned 40, and uh, so, like, my body, for the most part, has, has, has felt really good, okay? I need to preface this story. Uh, this past year, my son, uh, he, he's playing flag football, and uh, they, they needed a coach, and so they asked me if I can coach, and I'm like, yeah, sure, no problem, I'll coach. And so I'm coaching my son. It's a great opportunity for me to just hang out with him, but it's also a great opportunity for me to get to know other people outside of the church. 
And so, uh, so we, we were at practice this past week. We were at practice. It was hot as Hades outside. And uh, we're starting off with running, okay? And we're like, we're, we're going to run. We're going to do 20-yard sprints. And I like to run with the, with the, 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 the kids because, you know, like I don't ever want them to be like, oh, you make us run, but you can't run, you know? So I'm like, I'll run with you. Uh, and so we're, I'm running, and uh, one, of, one of Eli's uh, teammates was like, he was like, hey, everybody, let's make sure that the coach is, is uh, or let's make sure that we beat the coach to the line. And I'm listening to this, and I'm like, okay, whatever. You're young, immature, you don't know what you're talking about. So, so uh, we get to the line, and, uh, and I'm like, all right. Down, set, go. And we're running, right? And I'm just like, just chill, chill running. And uh, and he, uh, and, and, and they beat me. And then this guy, he starts talking even more smack. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm about to let go. Whoa. And uh, so, so, so we're, we're about to go. Um, he's talking, he's like, I bet you we'll beat you again. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> so I get there, right? We're on the line, and I'm ready, ready. I'm about to, like, I want him to eat his words. So I'm like, on your marks, get set, go. And I'm like. Yeah, I love it. And I'm running. And I'm like, oh, this is good. We, we passed the 10-yard mark, 10 more yards to go. And I'm running my little asthmatic heart out. And all of a sudden, in the midst of the last 10 yards, my 40-year-old hamstring said, oh, you're done, sir. <laughs> and I heard a pop. And I'm like, ah! And I'm like limping. And now they're like, ah! <laughs> you're not only slow, but you're old. <laughs> oh my gosh, it was horrible. And so, like, my hamstring, and then they're like, hey, coach, we should probably cancel since you're injured. And they're just talking so much smack. Um, but but it's the, the reason why I'm sharing this with you, besides the fact I, I want, in case you see me limping, that's why, because it's still sore. Uh, the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this with you is sometimes, for our own benefit, there are things that we need to learn to let go of. Instead of holding on to. <laughs> so there, there's some things in life where, where we have to understand, like it is to my benefit to let go rather than hold on to something that, that is holding me back from, from experiencing or not experiencing something else. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because if you have been to Discovery for any stretch of time, you have heard someone on a Sunday say this, that as a church, we live with our hands open and not closed. Now, partially, the reason why we say this, it's twofold. It, it's, we, we, we say this because we, we, we understand the posture of how God has called us to live. Like we understand that that um, that that whatever he has given us, that that we he desires us to live like this rather than 
like this. Like he desires us to live with our hands open. To live, to live with, with, with the ability to, to, freely, to freely give. And so whatever, and so that, that's the goal, that's the standard of, of, of like as if you are here and you uh, would identify as a Jesus follower, you would say that Jesus is the Lord, the boss of my life. Guess what? That is your posture. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, as, as today, but, but like that is a posture in which we are to have to, to live with our hands open and not closed. But for a lot of us, it's not that easy. For a lot of us, myself included, there are moments where I choose to live with my hands closed. And, and my big idea this morning is this. If, if you live with your hands closed, if you are not careful, the very thing that you are holding on to will eventually become, if not already, an idol to you. Amen. See, this morning, what we're talking about are idols of possessions. The idol of possessions. Now, the very first thing that King Nebuchadnezzar saw was the golden head. And what we'll find out is that if you keep reading that Daniel had said, Nebuchadnezzar, the gold represents everything that you have. The gold represents your possessions. The gold represents what you have been given, what you have been blessed with. The gold of possessions. Now, let me ask you this question, and, and I'll ask you again as we go through the message have you made your possessions an idol? Have you made your possessions an idol? Now, I think before we go any further, it's important for me to let you know that an idol doesn't mean like a little statue that you're bowing down to. Right? So I, I, in this question of are, 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 you, uh, do, are your idols your possession or your possessions your idol, it's very easy to assume, okay, well, I'm thinking about like this little, this little thing. But an idol is anything that you prioritize over what should be prioritized. Now, I got great news for you this morning. If, again, you are here and you would identify as a Jesus follower, it's so easy for us. Because Jesus lays out what, what it is that we should be, what, what should be the number one priority in our lives. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. He says, seek first the kingdom. And his righteousness, who is God. And so in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus identifies the number one priority in our life is God. If you are here this morning and you would identify as a Jesus follower, the number one thing in your life, the number one priority is God. That is our number one, the number one thing. But if I'm honest, it is this idol of possessions that I struggle with the most. And I think if you were honest, you would also say that you too struggle with the idol of possessions. Now, if that's you and you, you're like, yo, pastor, like I, I completely agree with that statement. 
Well, then I want to say welcome, first off. <laughs> You're a great company, secondly. And uh, welcome to the club. <laughs> you know, like, it's, 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 it's a thing to be, to, 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 for, for this to happen. And I actually, I want to say this. I don't think it's, it's your fault that possessions have become your idol. I don't think it's my fault that possessions have become my idol. Because we live in a, in a time and in a space where we are defined by our possessions. Isn't that true? Like we're defined. And so like we, we're so defined by, by, by our possessions that like we're always after the next new car, the bigger house, the hotter girl, the finer boy. Like we're all like we're driven by this idea of more. I gotta have more. Now the only problem is that when I'm driven by more, I'm fueled by what I lack. And so, so the only reason, or if I'm fueled by by what, if I'm if I'm driven to get more, I'm always focusing on what I don't have. And so as long as I focus on my lack, I can never appreciate what I do have. And so, in fact, this is a story as old as time. Because we look at the story of Adam and Eve, and it really was a story of two people ignoring the abundance of what they had to just focus on what they didn't have. Think about it. God created Adam and Eve. He placed him in this uh, pristine garden. And then in, in the middle of the garden, there was, there was a tree that, that God was like, this, you could have everything else that you want. This is all your stuff. The only thing that you can't have is a tree in the middle. Adam and Eve, they found themselves in the tree to the tree that was in the middle. So that means that they bypassed everything that they could have had because they were driven by the one thing that they didn't have. And so if I'm not careful, like all of a sudden, my desire, my drive for more will cause me to only focus on what I don't have. And that's a very dangerous, slippery slope to be at. So let me ask you again, have you made your possessions an idol? Now, before we go any further, I think it's very important to understand that your possessions don't become an idol the moment you attain them. So please, go out, get your car, get your house, get your job, get your money. Like, do that. that like, you attaining those things is not when the possessions become your idol. They become your idol the moment you are unwilling to relinquish them. So, so you being driven to get the next thing, man, go get it. That's not the idol. The idol is when, I'm, when I refuse to say, God, you have, here, you have it all. And watch, I'll show you. Mark chapter uh, 10. Let's read this. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. Verse 19, you know the commandments. You shall murder, 
you shall murder. <laughs> that was false. <laughs> you shall not murder. <laughs> Someone got excited. Uh, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Um, honor your father and your mother. Uh, verse 20, teacher, he declared, all these things I have kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you, you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. and You will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. At this time, verse 22, at this time, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Now, I want you to see what's taking place here. Here's this guy. Jesus said he was young. He was wealthy. He came up to Jesus. He said, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? He's like, I've done everything. I haven't committed. Uh, I haven't killed anybody. I haven't committed adultery. I, I do. I, like, I have all these check marks. Like, I've done it all. By the way, if idols come easy, it's not your idol. And so, so he's like, I've done everything that you have wanted me to do. And Jesus says, there's one thing that you have not done yet. Jesus said, all that wealth that you have, I want you to go sell it. And I want, the, the proceeds that you get from that, I want you to go give it away. And it says that the guy was like, I can't. Why? Because all of a sudden, his stuff, his possessions became an idol. He's like, I, I've done everything, but I can't do this. He prioritized his stuff above his willingness to follow Jesus. Now, this morning, you, you, you might be saying, well, John, that's good for him. He had all types of money. He was wealthy. Uh, the problem is with me is that I just don't have any possessions. Like if I had possessions, oh my God, I would not be like that Joe God. I would give it all away. Praise Jesus. Well, that's perfect. So if that's you, I have a verse in Luke chapter uh, 21. Do we have that? Yes. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put into two, put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Was there more? All she, all she had to live on. So, so, so here, here is the, the, the wealthy young dude. He was like, I can't give you anything. Here is this lady. She's like, I don't have anything. But she still gave it. See, I think the confusion with, within this mentality, in this mindset, is this idea that that um, the idol of possession isn't just what happens from the overflow of what I have. But it starts with what I have, whether it's a lot or little. 
So, so my possessions don't just become an idol when I have everything. My possessions become an idol when I'm not willing to give it up. And the reason why I think that, that Jesus, uh, did you know that in the New Testament, like generosity and giving is talked about, Jesus talks about it more than anything else. Isn't that crazy? It's really crazy. It's like, yo, Jesus, chill. <laughs> like people in the church are going to be offended. Talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the reason why it was, it's such a thing for, for, for Jesus is, is because what he says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, he says that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So he understands that where your possessions are, most of the time, your heart is. So my possessions, like it, it, it's me saying, God, here are my possessions. Here is everything that I have. Because he, he wants you to su surrender your possessions, whatever that looks like for you. He wants you to surrender your possessions because he understands that in your possessions lies your heart. And so if he has my stuff, he has my heart. But I think the other reason why this idea of, of living with our hands open rather than being closed is because when my hands are closed, I limit what God can do in my life. And I, I just want to just do like a simple illustration. The band can come up and, um, yeah, the band. That was weird, huh? Mikey, can I, I was gonna use Mike, and then I'm gonna use you, Mike. Can I use you for a sec? As the band's playing, we'll get this straightened out for the next worship experience. All right. Ooh, don't come on, me and itself. All right, we can leave that, or you can get it. It doesn't matter. During worship, my kids were just focused on my daughter's squishmallows. <laughs> Daddy, what are you gonna do with the squishmallows? And so, so here, here's, here's my point, that, that when I live with my hands closed, I limit what God can do, what God wants to do, okay? So, here is, maybe this is your house, okay? And uh, God blesses you with this amazing house, and uh you're like, man, I love this house. And then, uh, let's see, we've got all kinds of stuff in here. We have this one, and maybe this is like that 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 car that you finally got that you just you've been wanting for a long time, you know. And and God's like, here, I give that to you, Tim. And you're like, yes, yes. Uh, and then maybe maybe you're super lucky, and like you don't just have one car; you have like two cars. And so you got another, there you go, another car. Um, and then uh, may, maybe, man, maybe you are so lucky that you're, a, you're able to save in a time when gas is $10 a gallon. Uh, God bless you, by the way. And uh, you're able to save and you have a little cushion and uh, your, your checkbook is, is kind of good and it's, it's amazing. And you can like go to vacation. If you want a vacation, here you go to vacation. They keep coming, huh? And uh, so 
There it is. And you just got stuck. And like, we do our best in America. We do our best to hold on to everything that we have. And then one day you're walking around with your stuff and God's like, hey, uh, you have 10 cars. There's someone at your work who has to take the bus every day. And, and the Holy Spirit's like, I want you to give away your car. And uh, you're like, but God, then I would only have nine cars. <laughs> and God's like, okay, good point, good point. Uh, then, then maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, there, there's this person at church they can really use some help, groceries, and, uh, you know, like, maybe your, your vacation fund, maybe you take a little bit and you can buy them groceries. God, if I do that, I can't, I can't get the sweet villa. I can just, like, get the regular villa. And God's like, okay, good point, good point. And then Mikey was talking about the Christmas thing that we're doing, and and like we're gonna we're gonna bless so many kids in our in our city with with gifts and um, and 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 maybe like the Holy Spirit was putting on your heart like hey I, I want you to give to that and you're like but but God like what about my kids I I'm only gonna be able to give him twenty gifts instead of like what and and God is like okay I guess that's a good a good point. And what I'm trying to get at, I'm prolonging it a little bit, I apologize. But what I'm trying to get at is this idea right here. It's like, there, there's so much more that God has for him. But as long as he's holding on to what he has, like, God can't do more. Like, God's like, hey, I want to give you so much more, but... My gosh, like you're still holding on to things, man. You can't, you can't grab it. It's like you're missing out on everything that I want to give you because your hands are tied to something. And God is like, if I could only learn to not hold on to things. If I could only learn to say, God, here, you can have this. God, you can have this. God, you can have this. God, that's your house. God, you can have my house. You can have my car. You can have my truck. And God, like God, everything I have, I'm not holding on to it anymore. Because everything I have, it was never mine in the first place. God, everything that I possess is yours. And I refuse to hold on to it because I refuse to have possessions as my idols. God, I just want to learn to live with my hands open. God, I might not have anything. God, but what I do have, it's all yours. I don't want idols, the idol possession of my life anymore. Come on, this morning I really believe that just as in the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, as the big boulder smashed 
that statue. That some of us in this room, we have created a statue of our possessions. And God wants to smash it this morning. He wants to say, hey, I don't, I don't want you to have any other thing above me, above him. And here's what I've learned. The way that I get to living with my hands open, it always starts with me being grateful for what I currently have. 